This is One on One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With the top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One on One's NFL Friday. Someone made the mistake of inviting myself, Mike Watson, Kenny Ducey, back for a 10th edition of NFL Friday. But we'll do it again. I'm fine with that. Welcome inside our Rose Hill studios. Mike Watts, Kenny Ducey, ready to bring you another week. And, Kenny, it, it, was, a, it was a fun week of football last oh, week. Oh, it was very not fun for me in the standings, <laughs> though. Not at all. No, it, you could have maybe done a little bit better. A little the, bit. Of course, the Pickham standings not going the way that Kenny... I think imagined they would go. He was talking you, about getting over five hundred. You know what? I, I picked to my to, to be fair. I picked a very uh, quite crazy picks, if you will. I, I I just did not have a lot of faith in them, but I thought a lot of them would work. You know, sometimes didn't. you got to take go a gamble. Yeah, uh, you, you were down a little bit, and you tried to pick them up, and uh, it results in a one and six week from you there. Uh, Everybody else four and three except for Steve three and four. Of course, Nick Legerfo and Julian Atienza are all pro group in the back, uh, going four and three along with me. So that means that myself and Nick and Julian are all fifteen games above five hundred, keeping things on a level playing field at the top. Kenny now twelve and seventeen. Steve ten and eleven. And then Mac is twenty six and twenty. He would be up there with us, I think. You know, if you continue to to advance. But there are bigger things to talk about than our, you know, minute events here, such as, uh, you know, Pickham. We will talk eventually about the Jets. Uh, We've got a guest coming on with us here. Anthony Sola Heffinger will join us in a few minutes. So that's going to be a fun one. We also have uh, a Giants talk coming up. But let's start real quick with the Thursday night game, and that was the Colts and the Jaguars. The Colts win this one 27-10. And another great performance from rookie Andrew Luck. And another shellacking of the Jaguars at home. They're 0-5 at home now, Mike, and this is a franchise. Now, you, you, you pick Justin Blackman. He is not. He's either not getting open or he's not getting the ball from Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert, of course, their pick last year. So now you got two high, high picks in the draft, and you have to hope they turn out. And if they don't, there's going to be a question of whether or not that you know the decisions made by this front office are the right ones. And they, they're they probably on their way to another top five pick here, Mike. They need some help. Uh, they're, they're almost looking like the Lions making some cra- You know, Remember the Lions? They picked, I think, three or four first-round wide receivers in a row, and they were they almost wasting first-round picks. But look, I mean, back to the game. Andrew Luck, he runs two in. Uh, I like that. Donald Brown also getting back into the swing of things. He was hurt for a while. He had 14 carries. And Reggie Wayne, we were talking about it before the show, Reggie Wayne playing out of his mind right now. He catches 96 yards. Can't say enough about that guy. Well, and, and that actually led us to a different conversation. And uh, <laughs> real quick, RG3 or Andrew Luck, if you had to pick rookie of the year between the two of them, who is it? It's Luck for no, me. No, no. It's Luck for me. It has to be Andrew Luck. Yeah. Even though he's played a weaker Effort. schedule and has had, with, with Reggie Wayne, in my opinion, he single-handedly makes – that group of receivers better than everybody that the the Redskins have. Still, Andrew Luck. Yes. Now here's why he he the way first of all his his skill set he effortlessly drops balls in. The, uh, there was a great pass downfield to uh, Avery Donnie Avery last night, and he dropped it. I mean, he puts balls right in the hands of the wide receivers, which is exceptional at his level. He also recognizes blitzes, Mike, and he always he's he makes adjustments on the fly. He's very calm. He's a leader. He's a team leader. And this guy's in his first year out of college. Now, you look at RG3. I do agree with you. He doesn't have a lot of weapons. When he gets weapons, he's going to be dangerous. But I was looking at Ron Jaworski's QB rankings, and it's really funny that we're talking about this because he's got Luck at 16 and RG3 at 17. So very wow. funny. But you got to remember, Andrew Luck also has quite a uh, quite a good set of wheels on him, just like Art might not be as explosive at RG3. But he can run the ball, and he's a game manager, and he can throw the ball downfield and throw it accurately. This guy's poised. He's got a lot of confidence. Well, and I guess my, my big question about Andrew Luck is, is, is this the way the NFL is going to work in a few years where, where you think about uh, a, a dropback-style passer being the prototypical passer when the college ranks are producing 
so many more Cam Newtons and RG3s than they have before. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a good question because you look at the, the NFL right now and you got Aaron Rodgers. He, now, he can run, but he's a pocket passer. Right. You know, you look at Luck, he can run. Right now he's a pocket passer. Tom Brady, very much a pocket passer. Now, he can't run, you know, if it was his life dependent on it, except for those, you know, short QB sneaks. But I think that you're going to start seeing, yes, that drop-back passer who can run. Now, now RG3, interesting, we're talking about a drop-back passer. He needs to learn how to play under center, Mike, because they have a good running game in Washington right now, which is surprising because Mike Shanahan never has a, a, an idea of who's going to be you know, taking the most carries at the beginning of the season. He loves to switch it up and torture fantasy owners. But that's another story. But <laughs> RG3, if he plays under center and they, he can learn that, I think he's going to be an effective quarterback. And, yes, I think we are going to see the drop-back passer who has mobility because when you can get out of sacks, that not only takes away a lot of a lot of what the defense does, but hey, I mean, you know, you can make plays out of nothing. So naturally, there are some things to think about about these quarterbacks going into the future. But again, week uh, th- this week already underway. Andrew Luck rushes for two touchdowns. As you mentioned, a mobile uh, quarterback as he led the Colts past the Jaguar. They have won four in a row, and of course, interestingly enough. Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck are currently on a collision course for the same record. Is it going to happen? Can't Kenny? make it up. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. They had the uh, same exact number of passing yards. That's that's last scary. Week and now Total I, for the I year. think that I, I don't want to you know be, be the uh, the guy to say it, but I mean, look, the Colts are playing inspired football right now for Chuck Pagano, Andrew Luck, of course, shaving the head. But look at the schedule that's ahead. It's really not too troublesome. They got Houston twice. At the end of the, at the end of the season, now that's going to be a little tough. But look, they play Houston two times in three weeks, Mike, in de- in December. I th- I got to think they're going to win at least one of those games. I mean, it, you know, it's two good climate games. You're playing at Reliant Stadium, and of course, you're playing in the Dome in Indy. I I like the the matchups that Indy has. I mean, new, once you get past New England, you got Buffalo, Detroit, Tennessee, and then Kansas City Week 16, which we what we were hating on before the show, Kansas City. Um, I think they could. I think they could do it. And you know Manning, no matter who he's going up against, is always going to be competitive. So, yeah, I think they got a good shot. So there's a look at the Indianapolis Colts, but there's a team in New York right now that also has a mobile quarterback. He's just not playing. (laughs) Uh, Let's go ahead and listen to, of course, WFUV's beat reporter for the New York Jets, Joe Vitiello, here in a minute. But uh, Joe, uh, he he called 10-6 and at the start of the year. Is that true? No, it's not true. <laughs> Let's go oh, sorry, ahead. no, they're not going to be ten and six. Not, no, he I, did, he did call it. So uh, let, let's go ahead and, and get to some Jets talk here. And what better way to talk about the Jets than to let Joe Vitiello tell us what he thinks? Let's go to Joe. Gang Green is back. Well, at least their mouths are. It all started earlier this week when Antonio Cromartie proclaimed that the 3-5 Jets will make the playoffs. Coach Rex Ryan later went on to back up those comments and agree with his star corner. I know Crow had some comments about, you know, he's, we're going to make the playoffs and all that. And I feel, as, a, as a, an entire you know, football team, that we should all feel like that. And I think we do feel like that. Nobody wants to hear it, but who cares? That's, that's, that's really how we feel. All this comes just two weeks after Gang Green got slaughtered by the Miami Dolphins. It also comes right after two separate polls came out, with players voting Tim Tebow as the most overrated player in the NFL and Rex Ryan the most overrated coach in the NFL. Rex shook off those comments laughing at them. My first thought was, you know, I looked and I saw who was second. I'm like, hey, I finally beat Belichick. You know what I mean? So, got him. I knew it would take time, but I finally got him. You know, so, uh, yeah, man, I'm like, golly. Like, it hadn't been a tough enough year. Anyway, let's get to this week's game. The Jets are coming out of their bye week and heading to Seattle to take on the 5-4 and four Seahawks. I see one of two things happening. Either Gang Green bounces back and stuns Seattle with the use of trickery, or, more likely, Seahawks running back Marshawn Lynch dominates and overwhelms the Jets' D. My prediction for the game, Seahawks 27, Jets 10. My prediction for the season, well, I plead the fifth on that one. Covering the...
I'm Joe Vidiello, WFUV Sports. Joe, with the uh, with the pick there, maybe some trickery he's calling for, but the New York Jets three and five, one and two on the road, go to undefeated at home. Seattle, they're five and four on the campaign, of course, one and four on the road, but this one not on the road. Kenny and boy, we, we'll talk about our guest here in a minute. Anthony Sola Heffinger from the New York Post is going to be calling in here in a moment. We'll be talking with him about it. But Kenny, what's your first thought about this game? Well. Marshawn Lynch is scary, and I actually, I just to go back to the report, love that quote from Rex. You, you gotta love Rex. Okay? He finally got Belichick in the in the in the players' poll there. But back to this game, like the Jets have had such a tough time stopping the run. They're the fifth worst run defense in the league, and they're going up against Marshawn Lynch, the league's third best rusher, and he just pulverizes defenses. I mean, the Jets have enough trouble with arm tackles. This guy's going to be breaking out of, of form tackles. I, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable what he does uh, and the, the powerful way he runs. So the Jets are in for a long day uh, if they can't stop Marshawn Lynch. So there's Kenny's opinion, but we're going to go get an even better opinion, and that is of New York Post writer and Fordham University alum Anthony Sola Heffinger. Anthony, how you doing today? Good, how are you? Doing great, and it's good to hear from you. And and I think Kenny yeah, has yeah, a question. Your, your, your Twitter, <laughs> your your name's Anthony. Your Twitter handle says Ant, and your Twitter name says Tony. What what do you go by? I usually go by my last name, but Anthony's fine. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. So uh, I, I I'll uh, I'll keep with the first name basis here. Uh, Anthony, uh, tell me the the Jets camp this week is is had a couple of interesting circuses. I would say, what do you make out of all of it? Um, you know, they're coming off the bye week. There's, it's just a lot of chatter. You know, uh, Rex likes to make headlines, and Cromartie's one of those guys who will speak whatever's on his mind. And, I mean, them saying that they're a playoff team, it's, it's just a – I mean, it's, you can't buy it. You know, <laughs> I mean, if they're 3-5, and five and they've really – their only two convincing wins came the first one in the first week against Buffalo, which, you know, you got really excited about this team. And then they – they beat Indianapolis, who really hadn't hit their stride. I mean, if you look at the Colts, even last night, I mean, they look like the real deal. They, they do, and, and our own Joe Vidiello was, was predicting big things after that first win as well, Anthony. But you look at this game. You look at, I was talking about before, Marshawn Lynch going up against a weak Jets run defense. What do they have going for them that could possibly stop Marshawn Lynch? How are they going to do this? I really can't see them stopping Marshawn at all, to be honest with you. I mean, they're uh, they're giving up over 140 yards per game on the ground, and that's to running backs who aren't at the caliber that Lynch is. I mean, you've seen this guy resurrect his career out in Seattle. Um, it's just going to be very difficult for them to stop Seattle's offense, and that's not even getting to the defensive side of the ball for Seattle, which I mean they have an incredible defense. It's just going to it's going to be messy for the Jets. I mean, Anthony, you talk about that great Seattle defense and. Quarterback-wise, I don't think there's any been more question uh, so far this year. I think this is the, the height of it so far. Should Tim Tebow play more? And, and do you even think maybe he should be starting at this point? You have to give him some consideration to start just because why else would you have brought him in? I mean, do you want him to be a gunner or a protector on the punt? Do you want him to just block for uh, Sanchez when they're in there together? The problem is, and why Tebow was so successful last year in Denver, is because he was a starting quarterback. You had to plan game plan for him when he's running the ball and when he's passing the ball. You can count the number of passes he's thrown this year on one hand. You know, defenses know what is coming when he goes out there. Well, well the Broncos also, when they put him in, they also had a bye week. They completely restructured their offense. So what do you think we're going to see out of this Jets offense? Because obviously they're not going to start Tebow, to our knowledge, what do you think we're going to see him do? Is he going to run the ball up the middle more? Is he going to be throwing more? What, do you, what are you expecting? I expect more of the same. I don't think they're going to stray from the, wow. the, um, the game plan thus far. I mean, they could have him throw the ball a little bit more, but quite frankly, they're, um, they're not using him the right way. I mean, the guy is just running up the gut. He's not running any sort of options. You know, he had the, the one big play he had was, a, was against Indianapolis with the fake punt pass. And the kind of trickery that they're doing with him is not really a, it's not what he's best suited for. He's best suited to run an offense out of that sort of option that you uh, see. Maybe what they run in Carolina right now with Cam Newton. So, uh, Anthony, we, we've talked a little bit about this game. We've talked a little bit about Tim Tebow. I want to go back to the circus, so to speak. And, and uh, 
first off, in terms of the playoff predictions, that's something that, that you mentioned up top. Kroll likes to talk his mind. Tell me, what do you make out of that, and do you think they actually have a, a legitimate chance to make the postseason? I think they have an outside chance. I really don't see them playing in January in the postseason just because there are so many good teams in the AFC. Like I mentioned before, you have Indianapolis, who's now 6-3. and three. You've got Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Baltimore. You have these teams that are going to factor in. Even Miami, who is better than people predicted this year. It's going to be very tough for them to get one of those wild-card spots because, you know, the Patriots look like they're going to lock up the East again. Now, you look farther down this schedule, and you see St. Louis, Arizona, Jacksonville, Tennessee, San Diego, and Buffalo, and I left out New England there because I think that that's going to be a telling game for the Jets. Uh, what do you realistically make? I mean, you were talking about there's an outside chance, but with all those easy opponents, are the Jets really going to get caught playing down to their level, or, or do you think this is good for them and they can kind of pick up some steam as it goes towards the end of the season? Well, the second half of their schedule is um, weaker than the first half. But, I mean, when you look at the New England game, you look at the Buffalo game, they're division matchups, and you really can't predict those because anything can happen. St. Louis is a better team than people think, and they have another um, really good running back in Stephen Jackson. Arizona, I mean, I know Fordham will be eyeing that game pretty closely with Skelton coming into town. Um, And they should beat Jacksonville. They should beat Tennessee. They should beat San Diego. But, again, you can, uh, you never know which Jets team is going to show up. And, of course, I, I see on your Twitter that's uh, Antsula, A-N-T-S-U-L-L-A, the Twitter yeah. handle there. Uh, of course, you were talking a little bit with John Skelton here yesterday. But uh, to close this one out, the, the polls that came out, uh, overrated. Uh, overrated head coach and an overrated player in Tim Tebow, both at the top of the league. Do you put any stock into that? Because it seems like those are overrated polls to me. <laughs> You know, you can't put too much stock into those kind of polls, but what I will say is, I mean, Rex Ryan looked great in his first two years with the Jets. I mean, back-to-back AFC championship games. But I think he's better suited as a defensive coordinator as opposed to a head coach. And particularly with this team with Mark Sanchez, I mean, he's not the kind of guy who has brought along a young quarterback. You need someone who's going to be able to foster Sanchez and like have him grow because, to be quite honest, Sanchez looks like the same player that he did three years ago. You haven't seen any significant growth. As far as Tim Tebow goes, I mean, you know, he brings he brings a lot to the field, and he also brings a lot to the locker room. He's a leader. He's um, he's someone who gets the players behind him, and he's enthusiastic. You know, he's he's always standing on the sidelines, right at the edge of the field, always ready to go in, always eager, and he says all the right things. He's He's, maybe his play is overrated, but the impact he has on a team is not. And so uh, our resident uh, Jets fan in the back here, Julian Atienza, agreeing noddingly with you. Uh, Anthony, thanks so much for coming on, and we appreciate the insight. Thank you for having me. All right, that is Anthony Sola Heffinger. You can find him on Twitter at A-N-T-S-U-L-L-A, Ant Sola. And, of course, uh, he's with the New York Post. He's covered some Jets this year. He's also doing Fordham uh, basketball this year. So uh, for us, that's significant, I suppose. He was uh, tweeting this morning about Fordham basketball. So obviously uh, great to hear from Anthony, a Fordham grad himself. So uh, hopefully one day we will be calling into this show, Kenny, uh, in a similar capacity. You never know. So thanks to, to Anthony for joining us here for this one. When you look at the Jets, let, let's finish up on this week. Uh, I, I think it was interesting to say uh, that, that he thought maybe Tim Tebow did deserve at least a little bit of consideration to start. What do you make of that, Kenny? And, and as you go into this week, what's his role? Well, first of all, the consideration to start. The reason the Jets will never start Tim Tebow this year, which I, I don't think they will, because you got Mark Sanchez for another couple of years. You got Tim Tebow for another couple of years. So you start Tebow now. And and there's a their argument I am making, and a lot of people are making, is that Sanchez simply doesn't have the pieces around him. So you get pieces around this team, you get a wide receiver, an, another offensive lineman, maybe an, a decent running back for a change, and maybe Mark Sanchez turns into the quarterback he was for the first two years of his career, where he's not asked too much, and he does pretty well. So I think that's why they won't start him. But going into this game, Mike, I, I really the run the run defense scares me, and if I wasn't a Jets fan, I would easily pick the Seahawks in this one, but. Uh, I since I have the Julian Adienza syndrome right now, I gotta go Jets. 
Uh, twenty-one to nineteen, leading me perfectly into the into the projections here for this week. In the back, Nick says Seattle. Julian, he just can't give it up. He's going with the Jets. I, I, Steve I, <laughs> is in the back. He'll join us later. But Seattle and New York, he is taking the Jets, which God, stuns Jets. me. And because I in in Legerfo, I trust. I'm also going with Seattle. I, I want to say one more thing, Mike. Sure. I know I just cut you off there. Since 2005, the Seahawks have led the league in forcing opponents into false starts with 113. That is the Jets' offensive line. A lot of young, or Austin Howard, very young, and you know, with despite three Pro Bowlers, they do have nine false starts this season. So I think the noise is going to be a big factor in this one as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, and of course, that's probably the biggest reason I chose Seattle. If this were at, at JetLife Stadium, <laughs> I would probably actually select New York. But with this game in Seattle, going to have to go with the Hawks. So... I think we've we've maybe uh, done enough New York Jets I mean, I so. uh, for one bye week. Let's go ahead and flip the script, go to the big blue New York Giants. And if there's anyone who can tell us about the New York Giants, it's got to be WFUV yeah, beat reporter. It's got to be Eric Malo. Eric Malo. Despite coming off a heartbreaking loss to Pittsburgh, the Giants sit at 6-3. and three. And they're still in a comfortable position considering they're in the NFC East. They hold a two and a half game lead over the three and five second place Eagles. But Sunday's loss was still a concern. Big Blue came out flat, and Eli Manning threw for under 200 yards for the second time in three games. Next up on the schedule, they travel to Cincinnati. And Coach Coughlin knows the three and five Bengals aren't necessarily an easy task. They're a big, strong, powerful offensive line. A.J. Green is an, is an excellent receiver, deep threat. Uh, Dalton being the young quarterback who was a pro bowler a year ago. They were in the playoffs a year ago. The Giants have been struggling of late, particularly on offense. They squeaked out a win in Dallas and came out completely flat against Pittsburgh. Did Hurricane Sandy have something to do with it? It's definitely a possibility, even likely that it had an effect. But the Giants know they didn't come out as strong as they could have. As they try to get back on track, they need to make some changes. Eli Manning needs to find a way to get into a rhythm as he struggled with consistency and accuracy in recent weeks. Also, the running game needs to start breaking off some bigger plays to give the defense a rest. It just seems like they're a team that is out of sync. Maybe they're a team that can use a bye, but they have to get through the Bengals this week before they can get their week of rest. Cincinnati is a competitive team, but I just don't think they have enough tools to beat even a struggling Giants team. My prediction, Giants 21, Cincinnati 13. The Giants have to find a way to figure it out quickly. Covering the Giants, I'm Eric Ballo, WFUV Sports. And you know, this week, actually, I liked both the music selections. Oh, they were great. You got Joe the and Eric. Yeah, you got the Strokes, and then you got Modest Mouse. All class from Joe Vidiello, and of course, most recently, Eric Malo, giving us an idea of what to expect this week with the Giants and the Bengals. And last week, I, Kenny, I need to eat some crow. I said last week that we needed to play this clip, and we'll play it right now. Going 24 to 17 Steelers are going to win this game. They the Stellars. The, the Giants uh. it, they're much like the Jets. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Oh, the come Steelers, on. They're 6 and 2. I, I, you don't it's game. This has this is one of those games Mike that the Giants could lose. And hey, I mean they're still not in that much trouble if they lose this game. I think Big Ben wants it. And Julian wants it Clip this and keep it for next week. Because the Steelers are going to win. I really no, not clip. at all, because we are going to laugh at you next this week clip. on the this Steelers show. Are win. I'll bring them in to laugh into these microphones before so that we have a laugh track. <laughs> and who is laughing now? Now I, you. I, that I, was my only. That was my only correct selection. <laughs> so I can laugh at myself. Uh, uh, that was my only correct, and it was twenty four twenty. I was three points off. Yes. Uh, so this is my chance to let Kenny Ducey. For uh, once, yes. I was right. In, <laughs> with picks, that's that's almost right. Uh, no, you 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 get your moment here. Uh, I was going to steamroll that and act like it never happened, and then I just I, I didn't have it in me. So big thanks to Nick and Julian for going back, clipping that up after last week to make me eat crow. 
This week, however, a very different story. Another AFC North opponent for this NFC East uh, Giants team that leads their division. It is the Cincinnati Bungles, <laughs> and they are as bad as the name that I pronounce that way would indicate. They are a team that, in my opinion, beats those they should absolutely demolish and loses games they're supposed to lose. They're pretty much what you expect. Oh, come on. Andy Dalton's an elite quarterback. He's not. No, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, that, I'm that, just that, kidding. It's a little early. I'm, I am just <laughs> kidding. Hey, not, 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 in a lot, not in a million years, I, I, in my opinion. I think the Giants easily got this one. But I said last week they're not in too much trouble if they lose this Steelers game. And they really aren't because they've won most of the games that they need to win. Again, they're 6-3. and three. they got a bye week coming up after Cincinnati. You win, you go to 7-3, and three, you go into the bye you get a lot of time to prepare for Green Bay, and that's going to be a huge game, Mike. They need to prep for Green Bay because Green Bay right now on the rise. They've started to figure things out a little bit. And then you got Washington, New Orleans, Atlanta, Baltimore, and Philly. So this bye week, truly splitting this schedule in half from from not that hard to difficult. So they need to really think about what they want to do going forward and Especially, Mike, I want to get your opinion on this with sure. Eli Manning and and Hakeem Nix because Nix is hurt. He's been practicing, but he's hurt. He's not the same receiver. He's not getting open, and that's really right. that's really affected Eli Manning in a big way. And when he first came back, I think there was a feeling that he just didn't have it. Just the explosive. Yeah. He didn't look quite like Hakeem Nix, and boy, has Eli looked terrible for the last couple of weeks. And and look, you know, when you think about Eli Manning. Uh, he, he, you know, there were a few years where he's inconsistent, but the last year and a half he's been so good that this is almost stunning to see from him at this point. And I guess my my question to you is: is is Eli going to break out of it? It's tough to say that with, with now Green Bay's defense not tremendous, right. but it's tough to say that with this schedule, Mike. I mean, Baltimore's run defense isn't that good, but they still got a pretty good pass defense, in my opinion, and. Uh, it, Philadelphia likes to rush the passer. New Orleans defense is always going to be there. Washington, they they have, uh, I believe, a couple injuries there, but they still got a, a good linebacking court. I mean, it's tough. Look, you're going to be inaccurate sometimes, but right now the Giants need to look at this offense and say, do we want to start getting Ruben Randall the ball more? How about Ramsey Spartan? Do we want to start throwing to Bennett over the middle of the field? I mean, that, these are the types of things that they could work on in the bye week. They don't need to work on them right now because Cincinnati's a pretty weak team. I would agree. But out of this bye week, you have to reassess your offensive strategy, and you have to look at Hakeem Nix and if he's going to be able to be that same guy. You might want to throw to him on the goal line fade, which is something that Manning loved to do to Plaxico Burris. Yeah. I would like that. But other than that, I mean, Nix is just not getting open, and he's not running the same routes he would. He's just not 100% right now. So you really got to look at who you're going to throw the ball to, what types of plays you're going to run. Well, and you talk about the bye week, and boy, could the Giants use the bye week right now. Kenny Phillips is out. Michael Coe is out. Ahmad Bradshaw, Keith Rivers, Chris Snee, all questionable for Sunday's game against Cincinnati. And anytime you're playing, and, and right there I named four or five guys that, that are starters on this team, that are very important players on this team. None of them are Eli, but they're all still... <laughs> We just got laughed. <laughs> I, I think so. Uh, we're laughing at Eli. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> it would make a lot of sense, I suppose. But uh, no, that was actually the laugh track from earlier that we talked about. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. That was at me. Uh, Kenny Phillips, <laughs> Michael Coe, Mob Bradshaw, Keith Rivers, Chris Snee, and of course we talk about Nick's. He's not a hundred percent. So you're trying to get you know, a, a good result out of a team that really isn't 100% at all. Yeah, and you don't have Bradshaw, and look, I mean, the Giants clearly have depth at running back, so that's really not going to be an issue, but again, you talked about it. Eli Manning, that's the guy who's going to need to step up, and he's going to need to be Eli Manning, and he's have, he has to prove to some of his haters that he can take a team, you know, far, and it, an unhealthy team far, right. against a lot of tough opponents, and I mean, this is. I personally think this is just going to be a breeze for the Giants. Now, you thought the the, the game last week was going to be a breeze for the Giants, and it wasn't. Or not, not maybe not a breeze, breeze, but a win. Right. So the Giants, they need to pick this one up in a bad way, and they will. And I think David Wilson will have a good game. And of course, when I look at, at Cincinnati, let's flip the script. Talk about okay. Cincinnati a little more here. You mentioned Andy Dalton. He is actually having a, a fairly good season. He's not yeah. having a bad season by any stretch. You look at his statistics, and they're solid. 
86.7 quarterback rating. He's got 14 touchdowns this year, uh, but he does have 11 interceptions. He's he's on pace to throw for 4,000 yards, so it's not a bad offense through the air. And then, of course, Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, has about 500 yards on the ground. He's on pace to be a little shy of 1,000. So not doing great, but the guy everybody has his eyes on every time that offense takes the field is A.J. Green. Yeah. And you got to be concerned when you're missing Kenny Phillips again in the secondary that he's going to just completely exploit this Giants defensive backfield. Oh, absolutely. This Giants secondary is troublesome to if I'm a Giants fan right now. And I was going to I was going to say, you know, where's the AJ Green mention here when you talk about the passing game? Glad you brought him up. He's got one touchdown in seven straight games. He's got five or more catches in all but one game this season. And he talked to WFAN over the week and he said, "Look, I, I think the Giants got a lot of holes in their defense." And they do. He's right. Uh, their secondary banged up A.J. Green, in my opinion, is going to be something to handle for them. But the law firm right now, he started to slow down, in my opinion. I don't see as big big of things coming for him in this game. I think the Giants' front seven has a, has a pretty easy, not easy time, but they get, they get it done, and they shut him down. But as for A.J. Green, that's, that's a problem. Yeah, and, I mean, when you look at, at the defense of the Bengals, not great. They are great, I would say. I mean, you look at their defense, they allow 357 yards a game. That's actually less than the Giants do, if you can believe it. They don't give up as many passing yards and rushing yards. They're about even, the Giants defense and the Cincy defense. So I guess my my question is, is where are the Giants better to place their emphasis on offense? Should they try and, and get Eli to throw out of this little little trouble spot he's worked himself into? Or do you ask Ahmad Bradshaw to carry the load that at times this year he hasn't been able to carry? You got to go with Eli. Eli's the guy who is called elite. He is called, you know, he is a two-time Super Bowl winner. Not just called that. He's the guy who's going to have to get them out of this out of this funk here. And he is the guy who has the skill set. He's probably the best player on this team, and he needs to throw. He's got Martellus Bennett, who for the first three games of the season looked like a superstar with Eli Manning, and then. Manning kind of forgot about him a little bit. So you have to start working with him over the middle of the field because the tight end in this league can be a, a great asset to you. Just ask Tom Brady. You have, you have Victor Cruz for the big play speed. He's got some weapons there, Mike, and he needs to use them. He needs to throw some accurate balls to get the Giants' first-ever win in Cincinnati. And so let's go ahead and, and talk about whether or not they will get that win in Cincinnati this game on Sunday, it is a 1 o'clock game. Luckily for the Giants, now completely unaffected by the hurricane. They'll get a full week's practice, and, and uh, you know, hopefully, again, our, our thoughts and prayers with everyone affected by the hurricane in a much more realistic sense than football. But uh, in terms of this game, we've got Nick and Julian in the back saying Giants. Steve is going with the Giants over Cincinnati. I'm going with the Giants over Cincinnati. Kenny, are you bucking the trend? <laughs> no. No. Gi- Giants, <laughs> I'm going to say Giants 27-14. Mike Nugent not going to hit a field goal this time. <laughs> the, the Nuge. Well, that was someone else's bad draft pick, I suppose. That, I know uh, all about that one. And, of course, Cincinnati, here's a stat to keep track of, 1-3 and three at home, the Giants 3-1 and one on the road. So something to maybe be aware of here. As we go into this week. But let's, again, just leave New York altogether. They, they get enough attention as it is. We already gave them 20 minutes, so we don't, we don't need to give them more. Let's talk about the general NFL here, and, and let's take a look at some of the storylines. Boy, have things devolved in, in, in cowboy land, in Dallas right oh, now. Boy. Jerry Jones uh, was criticized. I think the most recent person to come out and say that he's doing too much Roger Staubach, he, he came out and said, nah, come on, you need to give some of the, some of the reins up. Uh, Staubach, I'm sorry, uh, he, he's a guy. Jimmy Johnson had some very interesting comments this week. What do you think? Can the, 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 the Dallas Cowboys actually win with Jerry Jones as owner, president, and, of course, general manager? Now, I, you know what? I think so. I think they've made some pretty good draft choices, not only over the past couple of years, but, look, everyone's going to— What, ever, like Felix Jones? Well, you know how I feel about Felix Jones. I love <laughs> Felix Jones. But Des Bryant, I think, was a, a good pick for—look, they, they've, they've calmed him down a little bit, and he has been playing 
good football. The off-the-field stuff really hasn't caught up to him just yet. I now everyone's going to point to the Roy Williams, uh, the the Roy Williams moves, whether it be bringing in Roy Williams or or letting the well, and I think that go. was essentially the the safety. You know, Roy Williams is a bigger issue. I think bringing in a, a wide receiver with big upside on a limited contract, I think, isn't really. No, a I, mistake. I mean, I liked it. Everyone's like going to look at the Williamses of the world, but look, I mean, Demarco Murray, you got such a talented back there. Yes, Tony Romo, in my opinion. When he has that run game, and when you open up the playbook for Tony Romo to use the logic or to use the terms of Tim Tebow supporters, sure. he does a good job. I mean, Tony Romo, look at look at last week. Jason Garrett finally, finally in the fourth quarter. Okay, Tony, go scores a touchdown within minutes. The, the Cowboys are on the board. I mean, maybe it is Jason Garrett who should get the blame because this play calling, in my opinion, not working out. Now, if you have Demarco Murray to run the ball, it's one thing to run the ball. But when you don't have DeMarco Murray, why in the world? And again, I'm a I'm a Felix Jones supporter, but why give him the ball? Why give a rookie the ball when you got Tony Romo there? You've sworn by him. He's your guy. Let him go win the football game. Here's the thing about Jerry Jones that I think people forget. He does a pretty good job of drafting. He does a pretty good job of getting free agents. I mean, when you think about a guy like Terrell Owens, he still got him with some mileage. When he got uh, Tony Romo, which was either an undrafted free agent or a low-round pick. Undrafted. Undrafted out of Eastern Illinois. Yeah. Who the heck saw that coming? <laughs> that he would, you know, they got so much for nothing. I mean, imagine if Tom Brady was undrafted. Now, granted, Tony Romo, nowhere near Tom Brady. But, I mean, like, I think him being drafted where he was is similar to Tony Romo not being drafted and being as good as he is, uh, which is completely unexpected. He's done a good job of making something out of nothing, and that's impressive in its own right. I think at a certain point he needs to get his hands off coaching because I feel like yeah. he is too – he wants to do it all. He wants to be on the sideline, be in the locker room. GMs don't do that. GMs sit in the box and look. Presidents of teams sit in a box and look. Owners sit in a box and shut up. <laughs> So if you want to balance all those, sit upstairs. Don't try and talk to your team after a game. Don't make them all wet themselves at the thought of, of the big fist of Jerry Jones slamming on the table and let them do their jobs. That's why I don't think they will ever win with Jerry Jones right. as he is now. Because when Jimmy Johnson won those two Super Bowls and then the one that came within a few years, Jimmy Johnson was the man. He was. You were talking about this before. Right. Yeah. And and so when you think about Jerry Jones, yeah, he held that role, but it was different. He, it was. he was he was kind of disconnected from the overall team to an extent. But now he wants to have every cap on. And eventually you look stupid when you've got five ten gallon hats on. <laughs> I think Jerry Jones is something like uh one game under five hundred, something like a hundred and forty three and hundred forty four something like right. that, uh, as the owner of the Cowboys and I mean, I still, again, I still think the talent that they're looking at is is good enough to win right. football games. I really think they need to find a coach. I, I think that Wade Phillips wasn't the guy. I don't think Jason Garrett's the guy. Sean Payton, everyone's talking about. Sean Payton's going to be out there. Uh, whether he's going to go back to the Saints, going to go right. somewhere else. John Gruden is a guy who I think is a great head coach. Yeah, I, I personally think he'll gonna, he's going to be back in the NFL. Of course. Uh, and for everyone, you know, everyone loves him on Monday Night Football, but I don't think he's going to be there, you know, this at least for a little longer. Um, but, I mean, again, Jerry Jones, good talent evaluator. Yeah, he's not as scary. Yes, maybe he's got two – his britches are too big for him. But in the end, I still think that they can win with Jerry Jones. Uh, I, I, I just – I like a lot of the things that go on with this franchise. I just like the way they market themselves. They go with the big stadium. The guys that get in, the guys that get in there, they take a risk on Brian, and he's, he's turned out. So I like him. So, speaking of maybe head coaches that could be on the move, we, we'll talk about Jason Garrett here in a second. Can Andy Reid get any hotter without causing second-degree burns? <laughs> I, was, I was talking about this earlier in the week with someone. Mm -hmm. And you look at Andy Reid, okay? If he starts, Foles. And Foles will ultimately fail if he starts in this offense with no offensive line. Reid's gone. If he doesn't start, Foles. And Michael Vick continues to falter. Reed's gone. So Reed's gone either way. No matter what this guy does, I think he's gone. 
the Eagles, unless they get a, a six-game, unless they start to pick things up in a rapid manner, I don't think he's going to be here for much longer, which is sad because he's one of the better coaches right. in football and right I now. And I do really like Andy Reid. Yeah. I really do. And and it is sad that he's he's probably ultimately going to be gone. And, you, you know, Michael Vick, I think with Andy Reid, Andy Reid should realize that he's almost on the – he's got one foot out the door. Just open up the playbook. Uh, once again, I can't believe I used that term twice in a show for Michael Vick. Let him run. Just let him run. And you know what? If he fumbles the ball, at least he's not throwing an interception. If he gets hurt, then you got Foles in there, which is what half Eagles Nation, I think, wants. Uh, what's to right. lose by letting Vick just be Vick? Just let him run. Let him make plays. I think that they limit him too much. And also, the offensive line is collapsing on him so much. So if he, if he's given the liberty to get out of the pocket and to and to make some throws on the run, I think he might be better off and not be laying you know back on the ground getting sacked time after time. Well, and of course, it's worth noting that the wins this year for. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, they beat Cleveland by one point week one, an ugly, ugly football game, beat Baltimore by one week two, and they beat New York uh, by two in a game where really it very easily could have been a New York win uh, in week four. Um, But, again, I, I, I do agree with you to an extent. I wish they would keep him because I think he was dealt a hand that that once Michael Vick came and did really well behind Donovan McNabb that one year where he started eight games, you had to sign him to a big deal. I mean, you, there was a legitimate thought that he's back. He's a oh, yeah. new Michael Vick that, that is better in the passing game, but he didn't lose any speed. And I read something on CBS Sports a couple months ago where a defensive coordinator or defensive scout said that he thought defenses had just figured out that running game style of quarterback because Cam Newton makes you have to figure it out. RG3 makes you need to figure it out. Michael Vick, right there, 10% of the league is forcing you to learn how to handle a running-style quarterback. And when he was with the Falcons, all you had to do was beat one guy like him. No one else was like him, yeah. if that makes sense. I, I Yeah, I, I buy that argument. And again, we were talking about it before. You guys got like Christian Ponder, Jake Locker, same type of guys. They have they are fast. Not, maybe not to run. the extent that, that, that Michael Vick was in no. a 1,000-yard rusher. No, one of the most may explosive, explosive never quarterbacks, right. quarterbacks that I think the game will see for a while. Right. I mean, you look at RG3, he's got the potential to be right up there. But, I mean, this guy was truly a revolutionary quarterback coming out of Virginia Tech and, and making giant plays with his feet. And, again, I mean, defenses, you can say that defenses have figured out this style of football, but I don't think that you can really say that it is all the way, that this style of football is gone. Because right. the Eagles clearly haven't been running with Vic as much as they should have. Right. And he's throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. So if he, if they're expecting him to throw the ball and he starts to run, then clearly defenses aren't going to be ready for that. I mean, I just think that there is still a way to make this work with Michael Vick, and it's just going to – you just need to let him figure it out. You know what I mean? You, stop letting people – who don't really under fully understand Michael Vick and haven't been around for him for his around him for his whole career, let Michael Vick make plays and let him win games. That, that's my opinion on it. But I do agree that you had to sign him to a big deal. But did they really need this type of quarterback at the time? I really don't think so. Let's uh, bring this thing full circle because we talked about Jerry Jones already. We're clearly talking about how Andy Reid, I think, is maybe handcuffed a little bit with Michael Vick at this point because I think he turns the ball over too much for his liking, and that's not a way this Eagles team is built to win. And, of course, I think the defensive backs, I think Chris Collinsworth did a great job on Monday Night Football diagramming just how bad Namdi Asamoah has played uh, this season, especially in the run. He, he just bounces off people. But in terms of coaches, you have Andy Reid and Jason Garrett, both for just diehard fan bases, Dallas and Philadelphia, people calling for their heads, uh, whose seat right now is hotter and who gets fired first? I, I got to say it's Andy Reid's. Andy Reid. Because Jason Garrett simply, you know, the team could go far. The, the team could win some more games with Tony Romo and with the healthy Murray if he comes back. And, look, they beat the Giants in week one. This is That's more that you could say about Reid, who arguably could have had two losses in the first two weeks and had the Mike Brown treatment. You never know. I think Andy Reid probably gone before Jason Garrett, even though both of them should go 
maybe at the end of this season we'll have to see what happens down the stretch, but I think both of them are probably gone. Well, and I will say this because I, I botched it earlier uh, because John Gruden and Chris Collinsworth are so – they love players so much. Here's a kid I really like. <laughs> both of them do that a lot. <laughs> so I got them confused Sunday and Monday night. Uh, when they last played on Sunday night, they talked quite a bit about the Eagles, uh, and, and that was against the Saints, of course. Hey, hey when Gruden um, says he likes Mark Sanchez, you uh, know he likes everybody. Right, Gruden, of course, mentioning <laughs> that uh, on Monday night against New Orleans. So uh, interesting uh, commentary there from John Gruden. But uh, when, when you think about um, Jason Garrett, he has no track record as a successful head coach. There's nothing about him that makes you go, well, he'll turn it around eventually. When you look at Andy Reid, he led teams to the NFC Championship game. He's gotten essentially to the promised land before. Yeah. And you would think that he could do it again. Uh, now, he's never won a Super Bowl, but he's gotten you there. So you're hoping that he can do it again. I honestly think that, that I, while I think they both go at the end of the season, or maybe even earlier, Jason Garrett has no track record record to run on, and and uh, you know Andy Reid does, no, and I think no, that's I important to, to mention. I definitely agree with you. And look, was Donovan McNabb a great quarterback? No, he wasn't. And and any thought that he's a Hall of Famer to me is complete hogwash. Yeah, I it, it is. I don't see it. A complete joke. I mean, he didn't. He he didn't. It wasn't like he was put on a good team, a great team, and and you know he just kind of benefited from that. No, I mean he really made those teams good and. Look, he had T.O., he had to manage an ego there. People say he's a team killer, got to the Super Bowl with T.O. I think Andy Reid definitely has the credentials. And we're going to have Steve on here in, in, in one minute to talk fantasy. But he he, he, he took he either He hated fa- when you said that. Yes, when I said Donovan McNabb is in no way a Hall of Famer, you gave me the dirtiest look. Why do you think he could possibly be a Hall of Famer? Okay. I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but when you do compare his numbers with a guy like Jim Kelly, for example, very similar numbers. But a different era. Different era. But McNabb, he said, Kenny was talking about T.O. When he got to those championship games, he had Todd Pinkston as his lead receiver. (laughs) Not a great great team. So McNabb was always undervalued, in my opinion. McNabb undervalued in Philadelphia, right. says Steve Seminary, and uh, obviously I'm I'm blown away by this. I know Donovan talked about it a little while back, but Kenny, you're saying that that Andy Reid's seat is hotter. I'm so, saying yeah. Jason Garrett's seat is a little bit hotter. But the hottest seat in this room is our fantasy correspondent. <laughs> Let's talk about fantasy right now with Steve Seminary. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the top pickups of the week? <laughs> Plus, start them or sit them to help you win your league. So, Steve Seminary joining us here on NFL Friday yet again. Steve, hot seat. Are you ready for this for this week of fantasy? I'm ready. You're going to provide us with great picks, I'm sure. Let's okay. start at the quarterback position. Well, I thought I would never say this, but <laughs> I like Carson Palmer at Baltimore. He probably wow. he probably won't get 36 fantasy points again like he got last week against the Bucks, but he could have a similar day with a lot of attempts now that Darren McFadden and Mike Goodson both have high ankle sprains. I also think Eli Manning will have a strong game in Cincy. Big brother Peyton just faced the Bengals last week, and I hope Eli calls for some tips because he needs the extra help to get out of his recent funk. He has just eight fantasy points combined the past two games, and coming off a bye, this is a good time for Eli to get back on track. Now, I, I just got to ask about Carson. Is this because Carson's playing well or because the Ravens are without Ray Lewis and, and several other major defensive players? Well, yeah. well since, since Ray Lewis went down and Ladarius Webb, their star cornerback, the Baltimore defense has been a shell of its former self. Obviously, Terrell Suggs is back now, but that Baltimore defense is pretty shaky. And Carson Palmer isn't a bad quarterback. He's finally getting comfortable, I think, in Oakland, and I think he'll start improving. I don't know. A lot of people would debate that, Steve. But uh, I, I want to ask last a- week. <laughs> that's it's true. I, I want to ask about Jake Locker. Uh, he's back. Uh, he's been taking first team reps. Is he going to be a viable fantasy option this week? If you're in a two quarterback league like myself, I got to go with either Sanchez or Locker. I think I'm going to go with Locker. But what are your thoughts on him? Can he be viable down the stretch for someone, say, with the Manning, with a bye week next week? Well, that's the thing now. A lot of bye weeks are coming up. Like right now, you got Brandon Whedon on the bye. 
You got RG3 on the bye, so some quarterbacks aren't there. And in deeper leagues that have two quarterbacks, it is a viable option to start a guy like Locke with. The options, the options dwindle at this point in the season because of injuries and buys. And, you know, with two quarterback leagues, those are pretty deep. So Jake Lockwood this week against the Miami Dolphins. Miami, not the best defense, but if you want to throw him in there, go right ahead. And uh, who are you not a big fan of at the quarterback position this week? Staying in Cincinnati, I would sit Andy Dalton. He's thrown an interception in nine straight games dating back to last year's playoff loss against Houston. And this giant team is tied with the Bears for the NFL lead in interceptions with 17. So I would stay away from Andy, and I would also don't like Matt Schaub in Chicago. I don't like many quarterbacks going up, going up against the Bears' defense, especially in Chicago. Schaub, Schaub has been stellar of late with 22 fantasy points in each of his past two games, but this Bears, this Bears defense has been lights out all season long. Now, Steve, what do you think about running backs? You know, we had uh, Ballard and Carter obviously going last night, who you might have picked, and no Martin for a change on, on Thursday night. No crazy fantasy numbers. Who you got starting? Well, we'll, we'll stay with not household names. Mike LaShore of the Detroit Lions. Last, week, last week's performance at Jacksonville with 25 fantasy points was no fluke as he's been on the, cups, the cusp of big outings the past three games. He won't, he won't score three times against Minnesota like he did against Jacksonville, but the Vikings' defense has allowed a running back to score in each of the past four games. So I like LaShore and C.J. Spiller in New England. The Bills want to get Spiller more involved after managing 102 yards on just 11 touches last week. He's averaging 7.2 yards a carry, and even if he continues to share playing time with Fred Jackson, he should do well against a Patriot-poor run defense. So there's a two-headed monster to keep track of. Is there someone you aren't really feeling this week uh, at the running back spot? Well, like I said earlier, options are dwindling with Richardson, Alfred Morris, Darren McFadden out. So I would sit this week once again, Steven Jackson. He has just one touchdown on the season, and he continues to, be, to lose carries to Darryl Richardson. This week, the Rams play a stingy 49ers D, and I expect another quiet Jackson outing. I also would sit Jonathan Stewart against the Broncos. Carolina's backfield continues to be a mess with Stewart, D'Angelo Williams, and Mike Tolbert sharing the load. He has only one game this season with double-digit fantasy points, and there's just not enough touches there in Carolina. Well, you know, if you're Mike Watts, I'm sure you're disappointed. Josh Gordon is on the bye this week. <laughs> Why receiver-wise, who are you looking at to start? And, you know, a guy like Devone Bess has, has been a popular pickup in a lot of leagues at wideout, so maybe somebody you could pick up for this bye week. Well, yeah, Gordon wasn't my, uh, my best pick, but... This week, staying with the Miami Dolphins, I like Brian Hartline against the Titans. The past eight number one receivers to face the Titans, Malcolm Floyd, Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson, Percy Harvin, Mike Wallace, Steve Johnson, Reggie Wayne, and Marshall, Brandon Marshall, that is, have combined for 50 catches, 815 yards, and seven touchdowns against their defense. So... I just I like Brian Hartline this week against Tennessee. Not not even since Bess has had more than six targets in every game this season. Oh, I would get I would get Devon Bess in my lineup also, staying with Miami. And another receiver I would get in my lineup is Troy Smith of the Ravens. He has done well at home, and he has a favorable matchup this week against the Raiders, who have allowed Troy Smith. I'm sorry, who have allowed nine touchdowns to opposing receivers this season. So I would get those three guys in my lineup. I, I do want to ask, are you comparing Brian Hartline to all those great names, or do you just think he'll have you know, solid success like those players did? Because he's had actually a pretty good year, but, but those names were something else. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm sorry I threw a lot of names out there. But what I was trying to throw out, though, is the fact that since Cortland Finnegan left, the right. Tennessee Titans defense is no longer the same in the past game, and number one receivers – or having feasts off them. I mean, 50 catches, 7 touchdowns already, that's, those are some pretty big numbers. And Andre Johnson, of course, loves going up against the Titans when Cortland Finnegan's not oh, there. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about where you're going tight end-wise. Uh, what, what's the story there? And obviously some guys getting healthy in some big bye weeks. Who are you looking at? Well, speaking of guys getting healthy, Dustin Keller has looked pretty good in two games so far back with the Jets. Not an ideal matchup against the Seahawks, who have allowed only two touchdowns to opposing tight ends. But Keller is Sanchez's go-to man, and I expect him to get plenty of balls thrown his way. And then sit him. I don't like Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings this week. He started off real strong, but it's a shame because he has fell off the map since Week Seven. And I would, I think Rudolph has lost his confidence, and that Minnesota team a little bit in flux. And I would stay away from Rudolph. So there's some guys to look for, maybe not look for. Is there a 
a guy that you named, maybe one you didn't, who you think is just going to have a great week this week that, that you want people to keep track of? And it could even be a name that, that, that everybody thinks of, but is there somebody you want to throw out there? I really like Eli Manning this week. I think the Giants have something to prove after losing the game going into their bye week, and I think Eli's hungry. Hakeem Nick's getting healthy, and uh, Eli could have a big game against that Cincinnati D. Love it. Steve, you going to be able to stick on with us and, and talk some picks here in a minute? Of course. All right, let's go ahead and get to that. It's time for some pick 'em. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. I'm, I'm the best in this room at pick 'em. Not, not that that's saying much. They're throwing different music at us right now? They are, and I'm okay with it. I can live with it. Uh, Nick I, I and Julian both 4-3 and three a week ago. Steve 3-4. and four. I was 4-3. and three. And Ducey with an unforgettable <laughs> yet completely forgettable week. As we go hey, into this week, of course, uh, in terms of the Jets and Giants, you're going to have to fast forward backwards in reverse to get those picks. I'm not going over them again. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into this week's games. It starts with Houston at Chicago. Let's begin with Kenny. Well, I'm really surprised that Houston is the underdog here, and for that reason, gotta go with the Texans. I think Matt Schaub's gonna have a good game. All right, Steve. The Bears. The Bears. Bears. In the back, we have Chicago from both Nick and Julian, and I just can't see Jay Cutler having a good game. I go with Houston. Thank you. Because I love Matt Schaub. We, we, we're close and we hang out on the weekends. <laughs> Dallas is in Philadelphia at the link. When you look at it, Dallas from Julian, Dallas from Nick. What does Kenny say? Got to go with Dallas. Philly broke my heart last week when I picked him. I think Tony Romo, I said he was going to have over 300 yards last week. He did. Going to do it again. Just 2% of teams that go to 3-6 and six make the playoffs. Who's going to be 4-5 and five after this week in this matchup? I got Philadelphia. I think Michael Vick and Andy Reid will show up. And I will stick with Dallas on the road. I have been messed over by Philadelphia one too many times. <laughs> Atlanta is in New Orleans. Big division matchup. New Orleans trying to get back into this one. Nick says it's going to be Atlanta. Julian says it's hot Atlanta. Kenny. The run is over. The run is the over. The run is over. The sa- I, and I don't like picking the Saints, but the Saints are going to take it. Steve. I don't know. Roddy White said 16-0 the possibility. Might be 9-0 after this one. I I'll take that as an Atlanta pick. I don't. I'm gonna agree with Kenny again. We're two times in one. Two show. times in one show. I agree with Kenny because, let's be honest here, good things can't last forever. Let's look at the toilet bowl. There's a team that has to win this game. It's Tennessee at Miami. It's it's nice of the schedulers to put this one in. We would have taken Thursday, but no such luck. And <laughs> and, and okay, Andrew Luck, bad joke. Uh, Nick says it's (laughs) Nick and Julian says Miami. Let's start with Steve. Flip it up. Where are you going? Got the Dolphins taking this one. Oh, come on. You can't pick the three of them picking the Dolphins. Jake Locker is back. Do do you realize that, that Jake Locker's back? Tennessee taking it. That's why I'm taking Miami. Six-point underdog, and they're going to win. I'm going to go with Miami at home. They are on a roll here for the most part. They've had a much better season than people expected. Upset alert. Kenny, who are you putting on red upset alert? Well, it was tough for me to do this one because all the upset picks I wanted are in the picks that we made. I'm going to say Detroit falls to Minnesota. All right, that leaves us with Steve. I think the Broncos will fall in Carolina to the Panthers. Wow. That's a bold claim right But you aren't the only one who said that. Julian also says Carolina will beat Peyton Manning. In the words of Mike Watts, are you out of your skull? Are you out of your skull? I'm going with San Diego in Tampa Bay getting the win. And Nick, Oakland over Baltimore. There it is. I had to say it once. He's liking that Carson Palmer (laughs) swag. And I I get it. I'm cool with that. So there's the picks this week. Does anyone want to venture a guess who's going to win? No, not me. Not, no. (laughs) You missed it last time. I said last week I would win. It's, and I, I, I was terribly wrong. Nick says Nick's going to win. I'll take his word for it. <laughs> That'll do it here for our picks. I'm keeping this music. <laughs> All right, that's good enough. So that should do it for us here. Obviously, big thanks to Anthony Sola Heffinger for joining us from the New York Post. Of course, thanks to Steve for, for you know wrangling him up and bringing him in. So uh, big thanks to Anthony for joining us. That's Ant Sola, A-N-T-S-U-L-L-A 
on Twitter to get a hold of him. For Kenny Ducey. You get us on iTunes, uh, too. Of course, on iTunes and, of course, always on Friday nights on WFUVsports.org. So for Kenny across the table with the spirited discussion, Steve Simonari off to my right doing the fantasy, and, of course, in the back room, our all-stars, it's Nick LaGerfo and Julian Atienza. Thanks for joining us this week. I'm Mike Watts. Go Browns. This has been One-on-One's NFL Friday, only on WFUVsports.org. Join us next week as the guys take you around the NFL. We'll see you then.